Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. The throw rainbows it down the right side for Kyle Pitts. He's got it. He's there. Touchdown. Oh, my. Oh, my indeed. Welcome back, everyone, to the Sports Fits podcast with Moco, here to talk about all things Florida Gators football and Boston Celtics. Please follow me on Twitter at SportsBitsPods to get live updates, tweets, and reactions on games and also updates on any of the teams that I cover. And for uh, on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review and listen to the podcast. It would be much appreciated because we also have uh, Spotify and YouTube. So if you're on YouTube, just give a like, share, and subscribe. And if you're on Spotify, just subscribe and listen to the podcast. So today on the Celtic side, is just me and Reed today. But we got a yes, lot sir. of stuff to go through. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff to go through, man. This, this last slate of games have been like really draining on my soul because uh, <laughs> you know, the back-to-back Hawks games and then, you know, the Pelicans game was a, was a nail biter, which it shouldn't have been, but we'll go into that, all that, you know, later in the show, but let's, uh, let's first go into the Nuggets. Cause I think that's an easy game we can talk about. Cause you know, Jokic didn't play that good. I mean, Jokic played like average, I would say, you know, it's not his best game, but also, he, had, he had 43 points average. <laughs> I, I okay for him to be yes. fair but if you're looking at his fan if you're looking at his fantasy points an average yeah. day for him it is an average day yeah because i do have a uh, funny enough i have joker on on my fantasy team so that's why i'm able to follow him and the nuggets as well so yeah it was just the the notes i had on the on the nuggets game was uh outside their top three players which apparently is not uh which is not michael porter jr uh joker and murray it's funny enough it was uh Campazzo, Joker and Murray, who are the That's top right. three players, and everyone else just like crap the bed. That's right. Um, I picked, including I picked up MPJ, on my which you know. Roster. What? Uh, what did you say, Reed? I said I picked up Composo on my fantasy team last week. Oh my, yeah, it's a it's a lucky day. But yeah, Composo really did well for them. Like you know, fifteen points, you know, eight assists. Like that's not bad. Like you know, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. also especially for a rookie. He is a what? Especially for a rookie, that's a solid stat line. A rookie, but also, like, he's mainly a bench player, and also he's 5'10". So, for him, like, that's an IT type of stat, I would relatively say, maybe a better passer. But that's pretty good for him. I mean, Joker's pretty average. Jamal Murray did pretty average for, like, what their usual uh, numbers are. But just seeing Capazzo, uh really step up for them in that game when MPJ couldn't, it was uh, it's pretty good. I mean, the rest of the team, uh, rest of the bench, and also the rest of the players that played did not score over six points. It was only the top three guys who scored 15-plus. And, you know, I'm just going to ask you, Reed, like, what do you think of the Nuggets currently? And also about Composite, like, do you have anything to say about Composite real quick? I mean, honestly, watching him play, like, he seems like he really knows what he's doing on the court. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he's obviously comfortable with it. And he's fit into, like, that playmaker role more so on their team. Because, um, obviously, Yoke is an amazing playmaker. Um, you know, but Jamal Murray is more of a he's, – he's more of a scorer. Um, you know, for the for the Celtics Nuggets game, he had six assists, which is uh, really solid for him. But usually he's a scorer. So it's really nice to see someone else come in and pick up that extra slack. Yeah, especially since uh, PJ came off the injury. And this is like his probably around third, fourth game. I don't exactly remember when he came back, but he's 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 came back recently. So he's yeah. trying, I guess he's still trying to adjust to the team and all. And the one thing I'll, the other note I have that uh, really stood out was the the rebounding. So the uh i think yeah so the uh celtics actually out rebounded the nuggets that game and that's for, for, uh, 43 to 38 and we, we've been saying this every week you know the celtics really got to re- out rebound or at least re- comparably rebound to the other team to actually win and you know i mean re- like thinking about joker is not really as a rebounder he's more of a playmaker offensive guy like 
It's a, is that a surprise that, you know, that we out-rebounded them that game? I mean, honestly, it doesn't surprise me too much because we know that, you know, Jamal Murray does not pick up a crazy amount of rebounds. MPJ, he can, and he did. He picked up seven rebounds, which is solid. Um, but, yeah, Yoke typically is more of a playmaker, uh, still picked up six rebounds. But um, it doesn't surprise me that much, honestly, you know, especially when you have Composo starting, you know, 5'10". He's obviously not going to pick up that many boards. That, that is fair. And I, I don't see the Nuggets as like a big time rebounding team, like, you know, like looking at like a Andre Drummond or the Cavs, or you're looking mm. at even, you can even say the Nets. You want to talk about DeAndre Jordan yeah, for how much well, of yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, he picks up, he picks up some boards. He for picks sure. up boards, but he's slow as hell. But, you know, oh, that's, yeah. that's Too besides slow, the point. Man. Too slow. I have yeah. so, I have so much to say about DJ. DJ, yeah. As, but when, as a Nets fan. You know, next time the Nets, Nets play the Southwest, we'll definitely be breaking that down hard. Oh, but yeah, yeah, the last sure. thing that really stuck out to me was the true, uh, true shooting percentages uh, percentages for each team. So, of course, usually true uh, shooting percentage is like a little indicator of who wins. So, of course, the Celtics out, outshot this, uh, the Nuggets 62% to 54. You know, I, I think the Nuggets, their, their three-point percentage wasn't uh, – the three points weren't really falling. You know, of course, Jamal Murray was perfect from – or actually, no, he's perfect from the free-throw line. But for, for three-pointing, three points, he was four for eight. That's pretty good. I mean, Joker, three for five, that's really good. So those, of course, those three guys did really well, and the rest of the team really just went zero. So yeah, I mean, I mean their whole their whole bench didn't score a single three. That's yeah, that's tough because you know you look at the Jazz game where Jordan Clarkson and a few other guys like Bo- mm-hmm. Bogey were shooting threes off the bench, mm-hmm. which is really oh, yeah. good. Well, actually, I think Bogey's a starter. Besides the point, he's usually a bench player. But yeah, they're usually really good at shooting. So I've noticed a little trend that if you can't outshoot the Celtics, I think you the Celtics are able to win, like especially at the three point line. And, it's, mm-hmm. and also talking about Kemba Walker, who usually is throwing up bricks at the three-point line, is usually the reason why we lose because, like, this game he was three for eight. So that's kind of another indicator, like, he's not making his threes. And that yeah. you, on and a, I mean, team, a team that's a good shooting team would usually kill us. Three oh, yeah. I mean, what well, we saw it happen with the Jazz, uh, uh, I think it was last week or the week before. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's all about the perimeter defense. And with Marcus Smart out, it's really tough to – um, have good perimeter defense as the Celtics because you don't have that many small guys who are solid defenders, you know? I mean, you have Pritchard now, and he's getting solid minutes. But, um, yeah, with Marcus Smart out, it is tough to have a solid offensive line. Again, I will always preach to put Pritchard in the starting lineup, give him that full 25, <laughs> 30 minutes, and just leave and trade Kemba. But we'll talk about that later. So I want to talk about the Hawks games up next. The first thing note I had which was like this is so this note was taken at the first game after the first game not the second game when we won but uh the first game uh tear tore uh, tore a tear uh, uh Trey tore the Celtics a new one that was my first thing so basically yeah so Trey just completely destroyed the Celtics first oh, yeah. game out Effic- them like crazy uh, efficiency is the first thing that came to mind for that game I mean he went 14 for 20 from the field that's just insane and Clint Capella went 10 for 13 so that was just a solid night for all the hawks pretty much except for gallinari but other than that i mean pretty much all the hawks had a really solid night i mean they shot as a team 57 percent from the field that's crazy uh, i was about to mention at least trey young's i didn't i didn't really look at clint capella's or or any of the other guys numbers but that's really good to see the team shooting like that you know the mm-hmm. hawks making it known that they're like a respectable team Oh yeah, it's just kind of definitely. funny we're talking about Gallinari because I, I remember you had Gallinari on the fantasy team and that's and why did, I, I and I was holding him for a while because I was like all right like you know he's coming off this injury maybe once he gets a couple more minutes you know he'll start to put up some real numbers but um I mean he played 25 minutes and went three for 13 so I'm glad I dropped him. Yeah, there there we go. Yeah, because uh, 
it was just it's just funny to see how well they've been how well the Hawks have been playing. Of course, like mm-hmm. it's run through Trey Young and they have their other yeah. shooters, and then Clint Capella is a big, you know, uh, rim runner, uh, rebounder type guy, and also just mm-hmm. good defensively. So it's you know kind of a good pairing, I guess, for for Trey yeah. Young and a lot of the perimeter guys. But I think that thing that's really working for the Hawks this season is the role that Trey Young has taken, not only as a scorer but as a playmaker as well. You know, he's dishing out dimes left and right. I'm pretty sure he's like third or fourth in assists right now for the whole league really yeah so he's putting up crazy assist numbers um and i think it's been really working out for them because they have they have good shooters you know like kevin herter obviously he's not as good as he was but he's still a solid shooter um you know some of some of these other guys like gallinari typically is a better shooter than uh, his performance uh against the celtics but you know i mean it's definitely working out for them you know just running the whole offense through trey young it's definitely working yeah, and I can also speak on Cam Reddish because I used to watch him at Duke before he came to the came to the yeah. uh, Hawks, and he was really good in, in college. You know, he didn't really uh, like really do well his first couple of years, but now he's stepping up and taking a big role in the offense. And uh, the one other note I had, I'm gonna uh, finish the Cam Reddish segment, but the other uh, the other note I had was t- a, a Jalen Brown taking dumb shots. So if you watch the games like like attentively, uh, attentively. And like every game, like you notice a trend that Jalen Brown likes to take like dumb shots. Like he dribbles like the first, once we get the rebound, we dribble the ball down. Jalen Brown has the ball and just pulls up for three, like off a pick and roll, or he just pulls up for three in the first five seconds of the shot clock going down. I'm like, why are you doing this? We need, my thought is that we should just be picking rolls, moving the ball around, trying to get a good clean shot. But Jalen Brown just pulls up and like, he's about 50, 50 on those shots. Like from what I remember throughout this whole season, cause he's, this is like a consistent trend for him. Like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't give time for the offense to flow and try to get, make a good play, like, during that, like, 24-second time. He just shoots it up, and it just – every time I see him brick, it just makes me sad that we're, like we, – that was a wasted possession right there that mm-hmm. Jalen yeah. had to take. I mean, me and James, you know, talk about it all the time when we're both on here um, about just the ball movement of the Celtics or lack thereof. You know, it really seems a lot of it is, you know, like a your turn, my turn kind of thing with between uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and uh, Kemba Walker when he's in. So uh, and I, I just don't see it working out because there's just not enough playmakers on the Celtics right now or someone needs to step up and be that playmaker. And I think once that happens, then, you know, the offense gets flowing and you have, you know, a little bit more ball movement and, um, you know, start knocking down some of those open shots. But um yeah a lot of contested looks for the Celtics for sure. Yeah. It's, it's sucks. Cause I really think Brad Stevens is a really good coach. I don't want to knock on him just yet. Cause he's like, he's, he's, he's proven he's a really good coach, especially in the postseason scheme against players, mm-hmm. but the regular season, you know, I don't know if his scheme is really work working. Cause like, I know what his main scheme is mainly pick and roll through the stars. And like, he likes to play through the stars instead of like making like an offense that makes all the players, all the players like involved in the offense, like a golden state team. And since I also noted that in every single game, I noted the young guys are really showing up, like Ojale shooting really well. Grant Williams, Rob Williams is really popping off. Time Lord, is his, as he's called Robert Williams. I don't know if you know that nickname, but me and James were talking about it during the week. But yeah, Rob Williams is called Time Lord, and I keep hearing that more and more because he's getting off the good pick and rolls, dunking on everybody. He's oh, yeah, dude, highlights. he's throwing down some posters. I'm telling you, I mean, James talks about it all the time, so I'll, spe- I'll, I'll, I'll speak for him. Uh, since he's not here right now, but Robin <laughs> Williams is on a tear. He really is. Uh, and he's a solid defensive player. He had two blocks against the, the Hawks. So, I mean, he's definitely a solid defensive player. And I mean, offense definitely needs a little bit more work. You know, he really just puts up easy dunks, but um, yeah, he's definitely a solid player all around for the Celtics that you guys need that def- uh, inside presence. 
It's funny enough you talk about blocks with Robin Williams because I, I I took this note down on the on the the New Orleans game, the overtime game. First thing mm-hmm. I'm going to say because you brought up the blocks, Rob Williams had four <laughs> blocks. Robert Williams four Dude. blocks on that game. Absolutely, he blocked crazy. like Zion a couple times. He blocked a uh, Hernan Gomez one time. It was crazy watching that game. But the first thing I want to say to this, and I don't know if you're watching this because this really like almost made me punch my TV, is that we had a 20 point lead in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And we held Zion to four points. And then the fourth quarter, like you look at the stat sheet now, Zion had 28. He scored 22 points in the in that last half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter. Yeah, the, the whole first half, he had four points. Yeah, like that was that was like pissing me off so much just because we held them. Like we held their star player. We have a chance to win. That's why we're up 20. And then we blow it and we go to overtime. We still blow it. And that just pisses me off because then mm-hmm. Brendan Ingram popped off at the same around the same time. Cause you yeah, know, once you get that pressure off Zion. Those other guys will pop off, and that's like seriously made me mad. Especially since Ingram is a solid shooter. You know, he is a great shooter, and also he's a good ball handler. He can create his own shot. So um, it's definitely like if you know you're focusing on Zion, which I think would be the typical uh, strategy, um, focusing on Zion. Yeah, it'll leave Brandon Ingram open, and I mean he hit that dagger in uh, in overtime. You know, I remember I was watching that. Oh, you were watching the game. Yeah, I, I told you. I, I watched oh, yeah. the um, I watched the last little bit of overtime. Yeah, overtime was crazy, dude. And it's just like I lost my, I, I really did lose, started losing interest after overtime because I knew we had the chance, we had that win in the bag in the third quarter, mm-hmm. and it just yeah. went downhill. I'm just well, like, why? I, I mean, I think I know you probably know exactly what I'm about to say, but well, you know, one of the big problems the Celtics had is once again our favorite, our favorite point guard, Kemba Walker. We will say it forever. <laughs> Oh I mean, my. he went he went one for 12 from three yeah that's that's not not I was gonna say that but yeah he's he's it's weird because he's been playing really well a couple games and then he goes bad like goes cold for three games and comes mm-hmm. back like one game really good and then goes cold another two games it just makes he's, no sense he's having a really hard time finding consistency this season it's weird because I I want I know why he's pulling up so much because like he's supposed to be that shot creator and that's like his instinct to do that but like he's, mm-hmm. it's not what we need right now and, and like, we, I mean we've seen him hit the shots before Yes. You know, it's not like this is this is new, you know, this him, is, like on the games he plays well, it looks like or like retro Kemba it looks like Hornets Kemba when he plays really well, it gets that's like 17, 20 points again, whatever games he does well. And then now he's playing like like he plays like uh, booty cheeks every time I see, yeah. especially during uh, the, 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 uh, the Pelicans game. Oh, God, I'm yeah, stuttering because this is pissing me off just thinking about Kemba every time I come on this podcast. Like, we have to talk about Kemba at least once or else it it's all, not a Celtics he, podcast. He's, he's always a he's always a problem. Every time we've brought him up, it's always been a problem. Dude, this wouldn't be a Celtics podcast without him. I'll be honest. <laughs> exactly. It, would be. no, it wouldn't be oh. a Celtics podcast without one problem player on the roster. And oh. right now it's Kemba. Not to mention, I forgot Robert Williams had 13 rebounds that game as well. Like I forgot to highlight that because we're talking about blocks, but Robert Williams oh, really yeah. had Great. 14 rebounds. Great defensive game for him. Exactly. That's what we need for the future. I mean, he was playing against Hernan Gomez. Like that's not like a star player. Like we need to see how he plays against Embiid joker and all these other guys i mean we did see him play mm-hmm. against joker wasn't as good because joker is like unstoppable yeah but and i all, think he's I mean, a respectable guy yeah and, and joker it's tough to guard him because he is he's seven feet tall he plays the center position but he does not play like a center at all no. you know he plays like a guard he moves the ball like a guard he passes like a guard so it's really tough when you put a big guy on him like that and that's why i think that once the celtics get marcus smart back that you guys will have a lot more success on the defensive end 
I think that's true because uh, I did bring it up a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, he's. I think he's our leader on defense, especially on the perimeter. And mm-hmm. I think these young guys have st- stepped up, and our perimeter defense has looked a little bit better. You know, even though we've let a few guys like Josh Hardy, for example, really pop off when he like when we least expect or least needed to. Like mm-hmm. happens that seventeen point game, and also looking at the Mavericks game too, it was a, a struggle trying to stop Luca from like getting a good uh, head headway or uh, head speed when he was driving in the paint. So we're, let's transition to the to the Mavericks game. KP's out, so you know they're running Dorian Finney-Smith at the five, and they have Dwight Powell at the five as well. So like you know it's it's not what you expect, but you know they still did really well. Luca, it's funny because I watched this game and uh, and Brad Stevens like during the like mid mid game conference talking to the announcer said like we need to get on tight against Luca. We can't let him start running like get it, getting speed to the basket. And you know what they do? Let him get speed. They they tight exactly. him up. They get on tight against him. He just blows past go. them. You can't like, let I don't him know go. what to do. He's to quick. Do you know Luca's quick. You know, he, he really is. And he has a quick trigger too. Um, and I think this was the game where he hit that, he hit that contested three right before, right before the buzzer. I think there was like yeah. 0.1 second left or something like that. So that was crazy. And I mean, he's shooting, you know, we saw him have some struggles at the beginning of the season. The whole Mavericks team was having trouble from three, but this game, he went six for eight. Yep. And yeah, that was, that was a struggle. But look, also another highlight was uh, Jalen Brunson going five for seven on the bench. I mean, he's technically not a bench player, but, you know, they want to run J- uh, Josh Richardson and James Johnson to run defense against uh, mm-hmm. Jason Tatum and Brown. So, I mean, Brunson is going to move to the bench. But, yeah, he, he did really well this game. You know, it looks like still guards are a problem. Tim Hardaway did all right, Josh Richardson. You mm-hmm. know, all the guys who really scored well were a lot of guard play. So, you know, the, the big man didn't really have a big, of, a big of an impact just because, you know, there's no KP back. And KP, even when he has been playing, is, you know, he's playing like injured KP. So, like, mm-hmm. there's not much yeah. to expect from that. He's definitely scared to injure himself again. I can tell, you know, just by looking at him for the games that he was playing. Yeah, there's there there is that little fear that a lot of that some players get, you know, when they get off injury. Mm-hmm. And it's just not it's you know hinders their play. Yeah, but I think you know there is some hope. I I saw in this game, even though we had a loss, you know, semi Ojale three for four and two for three at the three point line, eight points. You know, it's solid for him. Pritchard seven points is solid for him on the bench for how many minutes he's getting. He should get more, but yeah, for him that's pretty solid. You know, and then they have Tice. Tice did not play as well as we want to. Like, of course, he came off a wrist injury, so it's, it's kind of understandable. But still, like, if once he gets back to, you know, shooting, like, almost perfect at the three-point line, I think we'll be fine for Tice. Yeah, I know that, sharp, that sharpshooter Tice is dangerous. I'm telling Tice. you. <laughs> sharpshooter Tice. Is. You know, I'm, I'm actually curious. I'm going to look to see. Let's see what his nicknames are. Vanilla Tice is his nickname. I like that. I like vanilla Tice. That's a good, that's a solid one. He doesn't get cold like ice cream, bro. He's actually <laughs> heat from three. Oh my, I don't know why. I just thought of that. But yeah. He is, he is. I've actually, no, and I'm being serious when I say this. He is pretty consistent from three because he does not take, I mean, obviously the Mavericks game is not a good example. He went over two, but yes. typically he obviously, since he's a big guy, he only takes good looks from three. Yeah, you know, so looks. I he, he's a he's he's efficient from three, no doubt about that. Oh, efficient, yes, for like two or three shots, but you know those two or three shots come in clutch when you need mm-hmm. them. You know, oh yeah, no, I mean if if, if if he goes two for three or two for four from three like a night, that's that's solid for a big man, you know. I'll and, take that know, any day of the week from him. Yeah, it, it's it's great to have that stretch big. I think we can consider mm-hmm. Tyson a stretch big now, but like you know we still don't we can still consider our Tristan Thompson as our big guy, even though he's six eight like Rob Williams and it's. We don't have that big center. That's why, um, funny enough, we're going to transition to this real rumor we heard. Because, yeah, I, I mean, for the Mavericks, I'm going to just put this closing thought is that, you know, Luca. I still think he's my MVP regardless of what people say. So this game proved it. 
So I want to transition to Andre Drummond because uh, there have been rumors about Celtics training for Andre Drummond and that being that big rebounding rim running defense, defensive center. And like, what do you think of that? Like first, first thoughts on the, uh, on the Drummond idea of the trade. So I like Andre Drummond. He's, he's a, he's a solid player. Um, you know, obviously uh, a big, big rebounder, you know, that's his bread and butter pretty much. Um, my only problem with having Drummond join the Celtics is he's not a great defensive guy. Obviously he can pick up the rebounds, but other than that, he's not a great defensive presence in the paint. Um, so I think that other bigs would absolutely cook him, you know? Um, and I think that the, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about this, but I did hear something about someone posed a question on like Instagram or something. They were like, does is Andre Drummond actually a solid addition to a team or is he a stat pattern? You know, like, does he just pick up the rebounds and it doesn't mean anything? So like, I don't like know. Hassan Whiteside, you know, he's pretty much yeah, a stat pattern. Some, so something like that. Him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Something mean, like yeah. that. So I don't know. It, it's, it's interesting. I, I like Andre Drummond though. I think it could be a good addition, but I, I I'm just weary. It, it it could be good. I don't know if like is if he if he is better defensively than Tristan Thompson, but you know Tristan Thompson's pretty pretty solid at defense. Like his ratings have never went above 120 on the defensive rating so far. Every every game I at least look deep dived at, like he's never like reached above 120, which is like really bad. Like he's pretty that's pretty average for like a like an average center uh, for like a I guess bench like bench caliber like really good bench player caliber center like. I don't know how to right. put it because he's like he's not a. I don't think Tristan Thompson is like a, like an automatic starter. Like I feel like you, he, he still needs to fight for those minutes as a starter. Definitely, especially on a team that has Robert Williams on it and uh, Daniel Tice. Exactly. So he definitely needs to be fighting for his minutes, no doubt. Yeah, but he's he's been pretty serviceable. I like him, but like you know, he's not as big as some other centers we would want. I mean, mm -hmm. like it, it'd be a dream, but we could get like a Mitchell Robinson. Who's yeah, but really good defensive guy. Like he's not going to pass stats on the offense because it, like that's not his bread and butter. Is mainly defensive rebounding. I mean, exactly, what do you think yeah. of the, the Mitchell Robinson idea? I mean, Mitchell Robinson, that would be. I mean, I know he's injured now. You know, I hope he gets better. But um, I think that would actually be a fantastic addition to the Celtics because you're right. He's a really solid paint de uh, interior defender. Um, and that's definitely what you guys need right now, especially when you're going to be going up against um, the Sixers, you know, in the playoffs. I'm sure that you guys will see the Sixers in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I think that definitely you, you guys need a solid interior defensive presence to, you know, uh, take take some take some of that um, take take some. I don't even know how to put it, but, you know, take. take yeah. Take, yeah, sure. Take some heat away from, um, you know, like Embiid. Yeah. I guess not he, I guess, uh, um, some of that, uh, I don't even yeah, know. I, don't know. I, I, I can't think of the word for right now, but I'm sure that, you know, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I think everyone knows what everyone listening knows what they're talking about. You know, him mm -hmm. getting hot and like you, you got to like cool that down just a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. definitely. But yeah. Rich, uh, Mitchell Robinson. There's a lot of great defensive centers out there that, you know, we could potentially try to trade for. There's also the Harrison Barson we talked about last week. There's mm -hmm. a lot of ideas being thrown out there. Honestly, I think we need to make a move either in the off season or this trade deadline for a big star, especially mm -hmm. the bigger saw a bigger like defense, a uh, bigger defensive center, or, you know, maybe a, a good go like a couple of good bench pieces or something. I mean, definitely. I don't know if and you've heard any more rumors unless that's, those are the ones we kind of wrapped up. I haven't heard any Celtics rumors. Um, you know, obviously I'm a Nets fan, so I, I've heard a couple of the Nets rumors. I know so that. What, uh, what are those? Let's hear them for, for any of them. So I know that one of the ones that interested me the most was, so DeMarcus Cousins just got waived by the Rockets. 
So Yo, Celtics pick up DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> well, okay. So my only problem with DeMarcus Cousins is so if the Celtics pick him up, I think he he would be a pretty solid addition, and he would be a solid addition to the Nets. But my only problem with DeMarcus Cousins is that he is a shell of his former self. You know, I mean, he used to be. He's six eleven. I don't know exactly how much he weighs, but he's definitely pushing like 260, 270, um, you know, maybe 250, but whatever. Um, you know, he's a big guy and he was just a freight train, you know, cause he was, he was, he was, he wasn't slow either. You know, like he wasn't like this big, like lanky guy uh, on defense. He's a little bit slow, but on offense, he's a solid, solid addition. Um, but he doesn't play like that anymore. You know, he had too many injuries. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how well, I feel about him. You know, that's actually kind of funny. So this, let's actually, this is a great t- transition point uh, talking about DeMarcus Cousins is that um, our one-minute hot take today is actually about uh, most likely trades slash pickups happening th- at, before the deadline. And I know we talked about DeMarcus Cousins a little bit. Like, where do you think he's going to land since we just, you know, raved about DeMarcus Cousins? Or not really raved, but, you know, kind of mm-hmm. analyze what DeMarcus Cousins is currently in his I, I think that – I know the Nets are looking to pick him up. So I think that that's definitely a solid – a solid option for him, especially since the Nets are obviously a contender this year. So I think that, you know, he might be looking to win a ring. Um, I don't know who else would really want him to be honest with you. You know, I mean, seriously, cause like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to hate on Boogie, but he's just not the same anymore. That is, that is fair. I mean, I think he's trying to go to a contender and I don't think there's many contenders that need a center and I wouldn't consider the Celtics a contender just yet. So I don't think he'll want to go to the Celtics if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could look at maybe, I don't know. The Bucks are pretty good. They got Brooke Lopez, who's been solid. Uh, Pacers, they got Miles Turner, who's been really good, leading the leagues in blocks. Uh, Raptors, I don't know about the Raptors. They they have they, they have Siakam. I don't think they, they Siakam, want. I don't think they need uh, another big Saul. piece. Uh, Baines, they got Baines, who's been pretty mm-hmm. solid. Yeah. I mean, on the Western side, there's not really anybody who I would see like they would want him. Yeah, you are right. Like, uh, the, I don't see any the, any the West, the Western teams. It seems like all pretty much all of the Western teams right now they have their offensive and defensive system, and they're sticking with it. You know, yeah. it's it seems like all the all the um like the uh Suns, the Suns they have their system. You know, they're running through Booker and Chris Paul. Um, you know, the Lakers they have they're stacked. You know, beyond belief, they have a they're not changing their roster. I don't no. think at least. Um, you know, the Jazz they have their system, uh, and I I just don't see Demarcus Cousins fitting into any of them really. Yeah. It, it was it was funny enough. It was like the mellow mellow pickup for the Blazers. We th- we didn't think at least in my opinion, I didn't think he would be a great addition. Like he would just not be as good as he used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming from the I think the Rockets he was coming from. But yeah, he's been a really good solid bench player and for the Blazers and keeping that bench afloat, which is like relatively good. I mean, that's they also have Trent. So I guess Trent and and and, and Melo have been carrying that carrying that bench. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really see any team that needs a big like a big time center like Demarcus, relatively big times, big time center like Demarcus. He's still a, he's still a big name, but um I, I honestly looking at it right now, I could potentially see the Wizards picking him up. Only because Ooh. Robin Lopez, no, no disrespect to my to my boy Robin Lopez, but he is just not it. No, I agree. You know, he he's a he's a big dude, and he's had a couple big games this season. Um, you know, looking at his fan, I, I do I can see the Wizards picking him up because I don't see Robin Lopez doing what they need from a big man. 
Yeah, you just froze, but I I know what you're kind of saying about the the. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, you 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 froze a little bit earlier as well, but yeah, um, I was basically yeah. just saying that. Yeah, I was basically just saying that Demarcus Cousins would replace Robin Lopez, and I think that would be a solid addition for them. Yeah, I mean, considering Thomas Bryant is injured right now, so maybe they do need that, mm-hmm. that big time center, and then when he gets back, he can mm-hmm. take a bench role. I mean, yeah, I guess Demarcus Cousins is not worried about being a starter anymore. Like he's just trying to you know get where he can, maybe win a I- ring pretty pissed when he was on the Rockets because they wanted him to take a bench role. I think, yeah, he was, but I think now he's humbled up a little bit just because like he understands, I think he understands his role now in the NBA. I hope, I hope so because no, if he, he has no business being a starter. That Achilles, yeah, that Achilles injury back then really just really had like, like that like killed his game a lot. Seriously. More than it, it really did. It absolutely changed him as a player. And a lot of players, a lot of players, you know, funny enough, don't come back from Achilles. You know, I think didn't uh, Katie have an Achilles injury? Uh yeah, he tore his Achilles. Um, and he came back a while ago. Or he came back from a pretty long hiatus. Um, and he's still feeling the effects of it. I mean, he's been out for five games in a row now. I think. Yeah. Which was coming off of one game. You know, yep. he came he came off of missing five or six games or something, then played one game, um, and then now he's out again. So he's having trouble staying healthy, which yep. annoys the hell out of me as a Nets fan and because he's on my fantasy roster. Yeah, I I, I was the only reason because I, I knew uh Katie had the Achilles and that really hurt his hurt his uh his play time and also you know, it relates to uh, DeMarcus Cousins just because, like, a lot of Achilles injuries really do end careers sometimes for players that aren't as big as KD or DeMarcus. Like, DeMarcus, if he was, like, a lesser-known bench player, he probably would have ended his career with after that Achilles. He probably wouldn't yeah, have gone honestly. under signing. But, you know, that big mm-hmm. name, DeMarcus Cousins, really, you know, gives him that reputation as, like, oh, I could be a big – Yeah, because, I mean, he was he was an all-star. He was an all-star when he was, you know, like, in his, in his prime, so – he's yeah. just not that injury really just messed him up yeah it you know i i've heard it multiple times about the achilles but yeah i mean i don't know if there's uh let's go back to the one minute hot take we kind of went, went on about the achilles do you think there's any other trades that you could see from any of the teams that you could think about because i've heard of a, a russell westbrook trade to the blazers it's funny another another really another rumor i heard i don't know if they're gonna trade mccollum or something but uh, so what do you think that, of that rumor that, about the, the Westbrook, like a quick minute take on the Westbrook tr- uh, potential trade? I think that for the Wizards, that would be solid. Having CJ McCollum, um, bringing Westbrook to the Blazers wouldn't – I don't think that, that would work out. Dane's already there. He's a point guard. He's a, a good shooter, a decent playmaker, um, who's honestly just going to take shots, probably miss a lot of them. <laughs> Yeah, I think I cut out for that entire thing. Yeah, you did freeze. Uh, you want to yeah, okay. quickly reiterate what you said? <laughs> yeah, I'll do I'll, for real quick. Um, CJ McCollum going to the Wizards, I like because, you know, he's a shot creator and they need more scoring power, the Wizards. Um, even though I know they have Bradley Beal, but still he's carrying that team. That man's back hurts. Get him some help. <laughs> um However, I don't see Westbrook going to the Blazers as really a great idea just because they already have Dame. Um, and I don't I think that he's gonna take away Westbrook is gonna take away shots from their other scorers. Like um, you know, he's gonna take he's gonna take shots away 
from McCollum McCall will be going there. Um, but he's going to take shots away from Dame, and he's going to take shots away from Melo, and I just don't really see it working out that well just because he's not a great scorer anymore. He still is putting up decent numbers, obviously. Westbrook? He's not. Yeah, Westbrook. He just carried the, the team to win. I mean, well, okay, Lakers. yeah, well, that's – okay, however, however, <laughs> we got to we gotta talk about his, the rest of his season performance, which is not great. So I just don't really see him um, fitting in in Portland. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is fair. You did bring up those good points, and I, I, I pseudo agree with them. I mean, it could, they, I mean, it could be like a win now move for the, for the Blazers. And they could just say like, just Westbrook carry and we got Dame and, and use of, uh, use of Nurkic backing you up. So maybe it could mm-hmm. work. I, I, you kind of convinced me now that maybe it's not going to work as well. And I mean, just, I don't know if McCollum is the answer for the number two. That's like my thing. I don't know if the McCollum is the answer for the number two. Uh, on the Blazers? On, team. on the Blazers. Yeah. I think they need a better number two to back up Dame and, uh, and also have someone above Nur- Nurkic as well. Um, yeah. Um, did, did okay. Something. So I just got a an alert on my phone from ESPN about the Cleveland Houston game. I just want to bring this up because this is insane. So I love Jared Allen. Jared Allen is one of my favorite players in the whole league. Got, mm-hmm. You know, the fro I broke yes. my heart when we traded him. But this man against the Rockets put up 26 points and 18 rebounds. Making you guys kind of regret the trade. You're telling me, bro. You are telling <laughs> me. I mean, yeah, it's fair. And also Funny, a quick update for the Celtics uh, game that we are that is currently being played when we're recording this. Um, the Celtics are down ninety-seven <laughs> to one nineteen. Oh not my goodness! There's only three good minutes look. left, so there's no way they're coming back. So I'm all I'm saying. I'm not going to put hope that we're coming back on this game. Let's actually look at the stats. You know, how about we do a quick breakdown of this game real quick while we're yeah. Let's look at it. Let's look at it right now. Um. Okay. First thing I've noticed: Jason Tatum, four for 20, one for eight at the three-point line. Jeez. Not good. He <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Jeff Teague is back and he's shooting four for nine, uh, six for six at the uh, the free throw line. He's got 14 points. That's pretty good for Jeff Teague. And I like him. I like him actually in the starting lineup. Same with Pritchard. Uh, I mean, it looks like Kemba isn't starting, which is, I don't know if that's like a thing that's saying like if Kemba, even though he starts, he sucks, but like we win. I don't know if that's like our lucky charm thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like looking at this game, like there's not really anything that stands out other than we are not doing as well. Like Tyson zero, Tristan Thompson only has, has 13, 13, 13, like 13 points, 13 rebounds, which is good for Thompson. But especially when we're losing, like this does not look great. Hey, Trey Young is at 30 points. Tony Snell has 12 points, four rebounds, four assists. Tony Snell, have you ever heard that man's name? Sheesh, Tony Snell. Oh, that's not. That's not I, – I remember a Snell from 2K14. That's not the same guy, is it? No, I think that is. Tony Snell's been It around. is? Really? Oh, my Tony God. Snell okay. has been yeah. around. He is 29. He's been around. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's probably the same guy. That's crazy. Yeah. Actually, well, four for six from three. Let's get it. Oh, my God. Just when we're talking about Gallinari, he got 38 points, 13 for oh, 16, 10, 10 for, 12. for 12 from three. What is that? So what just when we're talking about Gallinari uh, not being as good, he Seriously. is carrying that team along with Trey Young to uh, win I against mean, the Celtics. Prove me wrong. That means we him. are one and two against the, the Hawks this season, at least recently. I don't remember if there's any games in the beginning because my memory is phasing because all these losses seem the same at this rate. But <laughs> but we were one and two recently against the Hawks, like series wise, and this is just really painting my painting like my heart is like collapsing right now. This is this is really bad. All right, well. That's yeah, that's fair. I mean, Gallo carried that. <laughs> well, that's the reason why we're losing. Gallo and Trey, of course, going off, and Tony Snell get twelve points. Like, what is that? 
Yeah, and he's I mean, Jason, 73 overall in 2K, so what the Jason hell Tatum that? going four for 20 from, that's, from the field. That is, that is, not, that is terrible. That that's is an, not what we need. That's an excusable. That is well, inexcusable. Jalen Brown also is zero for six at the three-point line. So that oh, you're right, geez. is another thing. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll go in de- more in depth after, like, maybe I don't even want to talk about the Hawks anymore. So maybe <laughs> you're not going to hear any more Hawks talk until the next time we play them. No but, more about the Hawks. So, yeah, just – just know that I guess the Hawks have our number and we're probably going to lose against them again. If potentially I'm not going to put my hopes up just because like looking at these past games, it looks like the Celtics can't like, can't guard Trey young or any big guard play. Like we looked at Luka Doncic, like think about it. Luka Doncic, Jamal Murray, uh, Trey young. <sighs> What's the other one? Uh, the Pelicans. I mean, Zion, but that doesn't a perimeter yeah, he's, player. He's huge. Brandon, Josh Hart and Brandon Ingram are perimeter players. I went off. So yeah, perimeter, perimeter has been a problem. I think we've gone on long enough, and I I don't really want to look at this this Hawks box score anymore. So <laughs> we are just gonna uh, we're gonna cut Shield there. Your eyes. Shield you know, your eyes. Yeah, my eyes need need a break from this. Uh, do you have any closing remarks about the games? Maybe anything that's related or Celtics related? You want to stay up, um, uh, stick out there? I mean, honestly, just right now for the Celtics, they gotta get they gotta get um, Marcus Smart back get that defense up and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need to step it up. They're all-stars. Yo, they just got announced as all-stars. Actually, that's quick news. And, and, and they, got I think as all-stars they, they deserve it. I think, I think they're both Jalen Brown iffy, but I think Jason Tatum is an all-star. I agree with that. But um, I mean, four for 20 tonight, he's just playing so inconsistent this season. Yeah. Okay. I'm also dropping James Wiseman. If you want him, he's only scored 18 points in the past two weeks. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I'm good then. Okay, but yeah, so yeah, <laughs> I know you I mean, stole him from me last week. <laughs> I hopefully Marcus Martin gives some energy back when he when he comes back. But yeah, I mean mm-hmm. that's that's really because he's that's also, the only hope. The only yeah, hope for this team to that's, that's even really compete in the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. we are six. Okay, quick thing, we are sixth in the in the in the rankings. We draw from four to six, which really sucks because a lot of teams are are going off, and we are you know falling down quite a bit. So, I mean, hopefully Marcus Smart comes back and we'll be good, but that's really you know, on the Celtics side. So hopefully next week we'll get the full squad back. But, you know, me and Reed, we had a fun time talking about yes, our sir. Own. That's right. It's, it's been really good. You know, it's the first time that Reed and I have been, you know, doing it solo this week, I guess. Solo. Yeah, that's right. This is my first time without, without and it's, James. It's been really good other than the connection issues. Hopefully I'll be able to edit those out. You know, I'm going to keep this part edit, edited. Hopefully I can keep edit that out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, for, until next week, boys, I'll see you all. Peace. And we are back. All right, time to talk about Florida Gator offense because this uh, today we are actually going to be talking about the Florida Gator offense for 2021 and the outlook with the current roster because, you know, the transfer portal and we have a, a dead period uh, currently in place. But, you know, there could be last-minute transfers and stuff that could happen. So for right now, we're just looking at the roster as it is currently, as it is at spring practice because that's the big thing because I think these guys are going to be the, uh, the guys who would get the most reps and the most, you know, eyes on because of uh, spring practice and all the coaches. So I think this will be mostly solidified, like what I'm trying to say. Like we'll do a, you know, we'll do a roster review for both offense and defense before the season. But for right now, let's look at what they have for spring practice and what guys they are bringing back from last year. So let's start on the QB side with Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones as the main highlight of this, you know, returning QB room because he got the like probably the most snaps out of uh, those two names, and he's probably going to be the projected starter for Florida, but. You know, we it's not certain because I, you know, we saw flashes of Anthony Richardson, and he's not as bad as you know maybe some people think. But I think he has some some promise and some potential there. 
but we also have our two guys we just signed with our most recent uh, 2021 pledge cl- uh, not pledge class uh, 2021 uh, signing class with uh, Carlos Del uh, Rio Wilson and Jalen Kitna. And you know those guys could could you know shake up the room a little bit you know make maybe you know Carlos uh, Del Rio Wilson could be because he's a four star and he has a lot of potential he can move up to the second spot you know the the official backup QB over Anthony Richardson I think those guys are mainly fighting for the backup role but I think Emory Jones in my eyes from what I hear from quotes from the uh, you know his fellow teammates and his coaches saying that he can throw just as well as Kyle Trask you know we haven't seen that for sure because you know practices aren't open. But we hopefully he is, and if he is, that means he can be a great dual threat quarterback because that's what we really, you know, that's also going to bring back a more balanced attack for Florida's offense. Considering we went pass heavy, we went full spread offense, not much running game going on last year. So you know this will be a big, quick, big refresher for Florida, having that good, a decent run game, and also having a good arm with the QB. You know, speaking of run game, we can also go into the running back room with, uh, you know, our recent five star transfer, Demarcus Bowman. And a uh, quick thing I'm going to throw out there beforehand, you know, 24-7 just released their uh, top transfers, top transfer rank or transfer rankings from uh, 2021. And uh, DeMarcus Bowman is actually number two, and Eric Gilbert, which I'll talk about later, is number one. So think about it. Off The uh, University of Florida has, or the Florida Gators have, the top two transfers of this 2021, uh, you know, class. So they'll, you know, that's going to be a big impact, two impact players that they just brought in, along with the returning guys like Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, Naquan Wright, and Lorenzo Lingard. You know, he's probably on lower on the depth chart, but I think he, he, you know, he hasn't seen many snaps because of his injury last year. So we'll see how he does in practice, and maybe he'll move up the the ranks. But I, you know, all these guys from what we saw last year were pretty solid guys. Damian Pierce is just that hard hitting uh, running back, along with Demarcus Bowman, power runners up the middle. We got Malik Davis is more of a pass catching type, you know. Some people are saying, you know, that you can move Malik Davis out to the slot and you know make him a wide receiver, like running back combo. I, you know, it could work, you know, with how much you know Malik Davis was able to adapt and be able to play a more pass, you know, heavy role in the offense, and also the same with Naquan Wright. You know, you could you can have since we have a big uh, deep running back room, you can have those roles kind of set up because you know we don't have a weak running back room, so you know there's a lot of options. And also, I think I believe uh, Malik Davis and Damian Pierce are going to be the main veterans that are going to be mentoring these younger guys, including Demarcus Bowman, who has not, you know, been in Flor- in uh, Dan Mullen's system. So you know, hopefully, he can get him up to speed and be able to put him out, and be efficient on the field. You know, there's a lot, been a lot of hype around him from high school, so hopefully, he'll be able to bring that into the Florida Gators room. So it's the big uh, question mark that we have from last year is the tight end room because, you know, Kyle Pitts left, and now we have a bunch of these young, uh, relative young guys or relative inexperienced young guys, but except for, you know, we have Kamari Gamble, who's actually technically a junior. Now I think he'll be the main guy, veteran uh, mentorship, and also I think he'll be probably getting the starting role along with Eric Gilbert. You know, we also had flashes of Keon Zipper last year as a freshman, and now he's becoming a sophomore, so hopefully he will be able to. I'm hoping that these uh, these years are right when I'm saying them because I'm reading them off the uh, depth chart. So Keon Zipper, there's some people projecting Keon Zipper along with Eric Gilbert to be the two tight ends, the main running uh, main guys starting in the lineup. You know, you could have Gamble. You have three tight ends. You could switch out. Honestly, if Eric Gilbert can be a more of a like pass catching type, maybe we'll put him out in the slot or something like that instead of having him as a blocking type role, which I think. Uh, Gamble can fit that better. I, you know, I mean, I mean, Eric Gilbert is one of the is the bigger guy, but I don't think he's he's built. I mean, he could probably do a, a, can like a mix of passing and blocking. You know, he's an all around great recruit and a great uh, tight end. 
So we'll see. And also we have our new guys that came up uh, came up in the 2021 class, uh, Gage Wilcox and Nick Elk, uh, Elksness. Uh, Elksness, if I, I'm sorry if I mispronounce that, but those guys will also try to be uh, developing under these big names that you see from last year and also Eric Gilbert, of course. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Eric Gilbert's not able to practice till the summer. So, you know, maybe the, the staff sees, oh my God, we like uh, Keon Zipper or we like, you know, Kamari Gamble better and, you know, we, we don't see enough of Eric Gilbert until later and then maybe they'll have to switch him out later in the season. But for right now, it looks like Keon Zipper and Gamble are going to be the main guys starting because they have the most experience and also bring, bring back a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stuff from last year. So the, my note for the wide receiver room is that, you know, there's not really any standout names. You know, we have guys who, who started last year, but they're not really standout uh, names. You know, we have Justin Shorter, just, uh, Jacob Copeland, Xavier Henderson. Uh, we had Whittemore play, t- play a few snaps as a freshman. So, you know, I, I really think that, uh, you know, I've looked at the, some of the clips from, uh, from practice, and it looks like Justin Co- uh, Jacob Copeland's taking that lead role. He's making a lot of crazy catches from Emory Jones and all the quarterbacks, and I believe he will be the starter along with Justin Shorter with the, uh, Justin Shorter with the experience and Xavier Henderson with the experience as well. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, I think those three will probably be the top three, and the rest I, I don't know how that's going to be uh, play out just because of Rick Wells. Is also another guy who came back, who comes back with experience, and same with Jordan Pouncey. So we, you know, those guys you never really heard too much about. You mainly heard Justin uh, Jacob Copeland, and you heard um, uh, Justin Shorter a lot last year. And you know, Justin Shorter had some flashes of good, you know, some good catches here and there, but never was the main role just because we had Kadarius Tony last year and Trey Grimes, and um, we had one more guy. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. I, I oh. Nope, that's not it. I'm thinking of Trey. I'm thinking of Grimes. Like Grimes was, uh, Grimes was a, uh, uh, he was there two years ago. He wasn't there last year, but yeah, I think there'll be. There's a lot of you know potential, hopefully, and especially if some of the guys with experience can hopefully mentor some of these guys. You know, I'm talking about mentorship a lot, and I think that's important to build, you know, these young guys up and be able to take over the roles once they leave, and also show that the the older guys have experience and show that they're NFL ready. So, you know, that's kind of the thing. Like, they're not just playing to go to the NFL. Maybe they show some more mental and more, you know, uh, intangible type deals for the NFL. So, you know, there's also the last part is the offensive line. You know, we have Stu Reese, John, uh, Gene DeLance returning. Also, Richard Garage is back. And uh, Ethan White is back. So, I think those four guys are going to be the main guys that are going to be starting for, for Florida. And then I think Josh Braun is probably going to be the guy who is, who is um, also going to start as a freshman. So we'll see about that. But, um, yeah, I think, I think Ethan White, you know, some people are even saying that Ethan White's going to be, uh, going to be a, uh, center this year instead of a guard. And, you know, it could be possible. I don't know what some of these, some of these offensive linemen, you know, some of the, uh, analysts that I've been following on Twitter and stuff have been saying that the offensive line has not been progressing as well, uh, as the defensive line, you know, that's the thing they're comparing it to. You know, because they got um, uh, what is his name? Da- uh, Daquan Wright, uh, Daquan White. I forgot his. Yeah, so one uh, one one of the guys. I could I'll talk about him next week because that's like a b- the big name that's been going around. I mean, I'm gonna actually let me check Twitter right now, so I'm not gonna blank on his name because he's been a big impact on the defense. And I actually did comment about him right now. Yeah, Desmond Watson. That's what his name. Desmond Watson, big guy on in on the defensive line. I think he'll be definitely a guy to look out for on the defense, which I'll talk about next year. But mainly the offensive line. Uh, not many, uh, we have a couple starters from last year, you know, hopefully that they'll be able to develop and we won't have a, 
you know, I think our, our offensive line last year was, you know, okay. It wasn't like, you know, Alabama level, five-star, everyone, you know, can lock down the line. But I think with some time in the spring, especially uh, without the, uh, with that, it'll be able to help them progress better and I'll be able to get them ready for fall compared to last year where we had a sh- we really didn't have any too much practice to go off and you're just going straight into the season kind of like raw compared to what you usually have to prepare. So I think the offensive line will be, I think they'll be better hopefully, but we'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't really have much to say about the offensive line. I just need to see those, uh, those veteran guys really taking the lead role and being able to show some of these younger guys how to play and also be able to be that lead guy on the line and be able to defend whoever's going to be a quarterback especially since we're running probably running more balanced offense we need to have these guys ready for the run game as well you know protecting Emery when he needs to scramble or if he needs to pass and then we have our big guy big guys up the middle like DeMarcus Bowman and um, Damian Pierce they need to be able to create holes for them in the line in the line so you know I mean there's not many things to really look at I'm just hoping that they can get their schemes right for, for next year because it's going to be a very different scheme compared to the spread offense last year. They're going to more balanced, you know, maybe even incorporating a, a lot more. Of course, they're uh, incorporating a lot more QB runs, but also more of just an actual physical run game compared to last year with more of just, you know, halfback wheels or just bring the halfback out or line them up on the edge. You know, Malik Davis was actually a lot in the, in the wideout spot on the left a lot many times. So, you know, you don't exactly know where these guys were last year, but this year there's going to be a lot of, you know, them under center and them just pounding the rock, pounding the rock hopefully, until, you know, we can tire out that defense, we can get some openings on, in play action. Maybe that's probably the offense they're going to run is a lot more RPO play action type uh, plays with this, you know, diverse set of, of running backs and, and QB in the QBs, of course, with uh, Emory Jones. But, uh yeah, yeah, there's a lot of there's going to be a very different offense. We're not going to be used to seeing this compared to the last few years with Kyle Trask, a couple of years with Kyle Trask, and especially with the Felipe Franks, didn't really run the ball as much. So this is going to be a different, a fresh, fresh air for Florida, Florida football, seeing uh, guys who can run a lot more, and hopefully with the running back room, like hopefully what what we're thinking these running backs can do, they'll be able to run the ball as efficiently as a lot of these other teams can, and that will hopefully you know build up our team build up our team with the running game and then we can work on the pass, you know, work off that with the play actions and all that. You know, there's always that's that basic mindset. If you can get the run, run game going, you can get the play action going and then get the passing game rolling because they're going to be focusing more on the on the running game. That basic philosophy, maybe they're going to try to push that this year instead of just going all pass heavy. And, you know, that, that it may, it's an obvious one-dimensional uh, team, but we don't have a contrast to perform it efficiently as we did last year. So, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about it. That's all, honestly my quick breakdown of it. You know, honestly, when we hear more reports from spring practice, we'll see, like, what they're thinking of doing next year and, like, what guys are going to be the main stars. And then you can work work with that and try to guess what they're going to – what kind of schemes they're going to be working based on their actual starters they're going to announce. You know, they're probably not even going to announce the starter until week one. But, you know, there's always hunches. And, you know, there's a, there's a pretty sure some locks, you know, later after spring practice, after hearing some of these guys – like how they performed in spring. So we'll see. And also not to mention, we don't have a spring game anymore, which kind of, you know, sucks for a lot of Florida fans who love watching that game to see some of the young guys and seeing how these guys progress in spring. And also gives us a little like eye opener to see what, what, what we're going to expect for next year's season. So this really does suck. And we can't really, we don't have that big game to see like, Oh, we like, you know, we like our, what our quarterback's doing. We like, you know, what our offensive, how our offensive line is holding up. 
So that really does suck for a lot of fans, you know. But well, I think hopefully with this new team, and it's going to be very young. That's the one thing I'm going to say is very young relative to last year. So you know, give them time to develop, and I think we'll be a good team next year. But yeah, that's it on the Florida side. You know, it's just a quick breakdown of the offense. You know, next week we'll probably go on to the defense. So that you know, expect that next week. So yeah, until next week when we talk about the defense, I'll see y'all. Peace.